You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. For the first time since 1991, the Buffalo Bills are 4-0 in the AFC East in the driver's seat after a 24-21 win over the New England Patriots, the first in Orchard Park since 2011. That's eight previous games the Patriots have come to Buffalo. They've beaten the Bills. Uh, That all changed on Sunday. And um, I'm Matt Perino, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, the post-game edition, and we're trying something new this week. What's up, everybody, in the comments? we we got a couple people flowing in already on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, If you got comments on Twitter as well, throw your questions, throw your comments, give us your feelings uh, right now. We're we're doing something a little bit different this week. We're we're going live at 7.30 in the 7.30 to 8.10 window. It's in between the late games before Sunday Night Football because I think we've we've noticed over the first few weeks of the season as we're trying to get into a good uh, rhythm here. It's, it's tough, Ryan, at the begin while the games are still going on, whether it be the night game or the you know the late games, I think people want to watch some football. So we're in the middle right now and there's a lot to get into you know with this Bill's game 24-21 victorious. obviously the big play at the end, Justin Zimmer uh, fumble force fumble, Dean Marlowe requ- recovers. Cam Newton very sad and frustrated on the sideline. The bills are six and two. Your big thought, your first takeaway from this game. Well, well, first of all, before the first big takeaway, 1991, you said, since they, they started 4-0 on the AFC. I was seven years old at that point. I was probably playing with my Hulk Hogan action figures on the floor as those games were on. That's wild, first and foremost. You know, first thoughts, you never know who's going to step up and, and help you win these games. Now, obviously, on offense, it was the run game today, that that one-two uh, rushing attack with the Buffalo's young backfield. But then at the end of the game, you mentioned it, Justin Zimmer, Dean Marlowe, Tyler Matakevich had a huge play on special teams where the Patriots tried to catch the Bills napping. So, it, you know, these games just show you, you never know who's going to step up when their number is called, who's going to make that play that helps you uh, win these close games. And these division games are always going to be close. These teams know each other better than anyone else. 
So if you go across the board, yeah, Buffalo's first win over the Jets, that was more of a blah than the final score indicated, but the second game was close. The Miami game went back and forth, and this game was right down to the wire. It doesn't necessarily mean that the, the Bills can't win the big game and pull ahead and win comfortably because we really haven't seen that this year. But it, it just goes to show you just the, all these games are going to be competitive. I don't care what the team's records are. Yeah, the Patriots look like they're going to be maybe sellers at the trade deadline for the first time in a long time after falling here, uh, you know, only having two wins at this point in the season, which is something that bow down to you real quick. I believe it, uh, back in the summer, you were the one that said Miami second place, New England third in this division. And right now that prediction is looking pretty good. Um but, but you just never know. And the bottom line is, I, I saw some, one of the first comments, not an impressive win. Maybe not, but they won. They, they, they're they 4-0 in the division. They're 6-2 and two at the midway point of the year. If you sat there and you said that you wouldn't take 6-2 and two at midseason, you're lying. I'm sorry. You're lying because any Bills fan at that point would take a 6-2 and two record based on the schedule. Uh, and based on what we thought it would take to maybe win this division in 2020. So let's start there because there's a bunch of players I want to talk about, some things that happened in this game. Obviously, we're going to dive into all of that. But let's start with how you should feel you know, after a win like this because you're right. You watch this game. You watch the guys that weren't playing on the, on the Patriots side of things, and it's clear the Bills are the better football team than the, the New England Patriots. But what we've learned in this league, it doesn't matter week to week. All of all of that gets thrown out the, the window when you get on the football field. You got to remember, this is 11 on 11. These are NFL players. And this while this might be a bad team right now, this was a desperate team on this Sunday. This was a team that was fighting for their season. This was a prideful Cam Newton that has played terrible since he returned from COVID who wanted to come out here and get this thing back on track. And he was fighting all the way into the fourth quarter when he was trying to lead his team back. The Bills got on the board first. Patriots kind of hung around. Then the Bills come out in the second half. They, they go up 14 to six. The Patriots come back and they answer tie the game on a two-point conversion. I mean, every time the Bills made a play or went up in this game, the Patriots found an answer. And in the end of the game, you need somebody to show up and make a play. And they made enough plays to win this game. And and really, if you look at um, – I tweeted about Josh Allen's game, and we'll get into that quite a bit. I thought Josh Allen today, his game was the perfect game that you want to ask him to play against Bill Belichick. Don't make any mistakes. He made one, but I think Stefan Diggs, we didn't talk to him after the game, but he put it on his shoulders. It looked like it was like maybe he was, he was, uh, he kind of stopped on the route. It looked like Josh Allen wanted it to be a slant. He threw it up there to let Stefan Diggs, who's so great in contested catch situations, make a play on the ball. Stefan Gilmore's not there and he just didn't make it. I thought Josh Allen eliminated almost all of the turnover worthy plays, had a chance uh, they were driving and had a chance to throw a touchdown to Gabriel Davis went right through his arms. Everybody take a big breath. You are sitting at a place after eight weeks of an NFL football season with a six and two football team depressed that you didn't win good enough. Just think back to some of those days over the past 20 years when, you know, Trent, Trent Edwards went off the track, EJ Manuel, JP Lossman never got it started. And you're sitting here now with a six and two football team. I don't want to dress it up too much. There's, there's a lot of things that you can be 
unhappy about from this game. But let's just start off there and and just take a little bit of the uh, stress off because I think everybody's stressed out, right? It's a big week coming up. There's a big election coming up. Everybody's got a lot of stress in their life in 2020. COVID-19 just taking over the world. You got a six and two football team, and you should be happy about that. Um, that's that's my piece. That's my opening rant, if you will. Yeah, no, I think that's a great opening rant. And one area that Josh Allen really impressed me today was up at the line where he was calling audibles and he was changing the play and he was motioning guys, moving guys, because every time he did that, he seemed to be calling the right call, whether maybe it was going to be a pass play and he turned it into a run and then the Bills ran to the left side and picked up big chunks here and there. He still completed over 60% of his passes. He threw a dime, like you said, to Gabriel Davis on the run on a third down play that nine times out of 10, based on what we've seen so far, Gabriel Davis is going to haul that in. Uh, you know, he tried to catch it with his hands. He had enough time to kind of move his body over and get in front of that too, if he really wanted to. Uh, just one of those plays that Gabriel Davis, I'm sure would love to have back. It, everything we've seen from him thus far, that's not the type of play he usually makes. He usually comes through. So Josh Allen was great. Uh, the run game was outstanding. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but welcome back, John Feliciano. Mm. Uh, the the Bills are gonna, you know, he's in the final to, year. But go ahead. I want I want to get to Feliciano, but before we do, two quick things on Allen. Number one, the big takeaway for me today, and he joked about it in the post game press conference about listening to some uh, Frank Sinatra uh, before the game to kind of calm his nerves a little bit. He didn't come out in this game overwhelmed you know, starry eyed uh, deer in the headlights. I didn't, I didn't get that from Josh Allen today. He was directing traffic. He knew what he wanted to do. He knew what he needed to do. He was looking to see what the Patriots were doing and he was responding. Like you mentioned, audibling that play. I, I wrote about it in my observations um, to set up the second Zach Moss touchdown was so impressive because he went through his reads. He saw he was waiting on John Brown to get free down the field. It never materialized. He let Stefan Diggs work back to him. He hit him over the middle. And what he said kind of came into fruition all year long. He's been talking about, I need to do a better job of getting the ball in my playmaker's hands, letting them make plays. That's what he did. That was a huge play in the game that sustained a drive. And those are the kinds of things that I'm looking for in a game like this against Bill Belichick. Yeah, where the number is great now, 154 yards, uh, an interception. I think he had uh, his passer rating was somewhere around 65. You know, it doesn't jump off the, the page at you, but 61% completion percentage in a game where the previous three combined was at about 47% completion rate. That's an, a, a significant improvement. And what did they do today, the Bills? They made a, con a concerted effort to run the football. John Feliciano was back in the mix, and they gave the ball to, to Devin Singletary. They gave the ball to Zach Moss a ton. They combined for over 160 yards. The running game finally got going. Give us your impressions of Mr. Feliciano. Mongo, back in the mix. Yeah, start talking contract no negotiations. If he's going to play like this, you know, entering this is the final year of his deal. Uh, this run game has struggled all season long. And maybe what's more impressive to me is the fact that he starts at left guard, the Bills drive down the field, score, uh, and then they lose Mitch Morse and doesn't miss a beat, moves to center, still laying great blocks out there. And obviously you want Mitch Morse in this lineup. You want Morse and you want Feliciano side by side. But the fact that he can just slide from one spot to the other without missing a beat, still laying those blocks on, dragging Zach Moss uh, into the end zone on that second touchdown. 
Feliciano did so many good things today, and you kept seeing the Bills run to the left, run to the left. And it's no coincidence. It's because that's where Feliciano was. You know, we, we've talked about what he brings in terms of the attitude and to, in terms of the nastiness. But the most important thing he brings are running lanes for Devin Singletary and for Zach Moss. And, and you got to see what those two backs could do when there was a little bit of of open space for them when they first got the ball. Then, then you know, Devin Singletary, who's always good to make a guy miss, he was making a guy miss five, six yards down the field and, and getting a few yards here and there. He had Zach Moss shutting off tacklers and, and getting big gains. At the end of the day, both of them were almost averaging six yards per carry. That's how impressive they were. So, you know, at the end of the, the day, they said, hey, we're kind of getting some balance here on this offense now. The run game is going. That's going to open up some things for the pass game. And the wins today prevented, I think, the, the pass game for either team to really uh, work for, for either of their benefits. Now, you know, we'll see what it's like next week. Um, there's a, there's a struggling secondary that the bills get to play next week. I think they can, they can move the ball through the air against them and they're going to probably need to the way that, uh, Seattle has been playing and, and how good they've been on offense. So that could end up being a shootout, but the, the bills are doing what they need to do to get by. They're winning how they need to win. This was a game where the weather conditions were not going to permit them to throw the ball 40 times. And they had to go to a run game that had not been working to date. It worked today. The backs looked great. Feliciano looked great. And, and that's, again, one of those steps there where they're 6-2 and two at this point. The run game should get better as long as that line stays healthy and as long as those backs stay healthy. And then the, the passing game is going to benefit and hopefully open back up for Josh Allen because of the run game. I, I felt like a broken record all, um, all summer, all um, you know, late summer, when we were talking about this offensive line and what I thought it could look like and what I thought they were missing when John Feliciano suffered this injury. And I said, the biggest thing isn't necessarily, you know, who he is as a player. He's a great player. Like I think we realized last year, how, how good of a find he was in terms of what he brought to this offensive line. I think he has a familiarity with Bobby Johnson. He knows what he wants him to be as an offensive lineman, how to execute. He's very athletic. He can pull, he can do all those things. He's versatile as we saw today. Um, being able to just move quickly from left guard to, to center after Mitch Morse went out. And there's no real update on that other than, um, you know, he's sustained a concussion. Uh, I believe it's his sixth concussion of his NFL career documented. Um, I wrote about him last offseason, uh, right before the start of last season when he had the concussion in training camp. So you can check that out. I tweeted it. But, um, no, I think John Feliciano, the most important thing that he brings is an identity to this offensive line. And, you know, he's not only is he like nasty and aggressive, he's vocal and he's really smart. And that's one of the things that Josh Allen mentioned today after the game about what John brings is that he's an excellent communicator. And that's so important because, you know, one thing I always notice about John Feliciano is, you know, pre-snap, he is as much as Josh Allen is back there moving his hands and, and talking up and down the line, Feliciano's doing the same thing. He's touching Mitch Morris. He's touching the outside guy. Um, last year it was um, uh, Cody Ford, Ty Insecki. Now it's going to be Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morris when he's at left guard and Morris is healthy. But I thought today the offensive line felt more like, you know, at home as a group because of what he brings and the stability and comfort that he brings. Yeah, and, and just on that left side of the line, if you do get Mitch Morse back, that that's a great side to to run after. You know, we know what Dan Dawkins has done. He's improved every year. 
and, and the Bills, you know, give him a big deal because of that. We know what Feliciano can do in his two seasons here, this being a second season. And we know that Mitch Morris is, is having a great year as well today. So like you said, hopefully he's back uh, back soon. But, we, you know, I, I want to address one thing I just saw in the comments is someone said Ryan Bates plays all five positions, but none of them well. You know, let's hold off on that. I think Ryan Bates could end up being an answer for this offensive line, but he probably was not comfortable with the shotgun snaps. I, I That's the best rationale I saw. But he came in in that first series, and he made some great blocks for Zach Moss, where Zach Moss had a, a big chunk play and then scored a touchdown. So I, I did want to address that really quickly. I think that, that Bates can play a role on this offensive line if Mitch Morse is out for an extended time. It's just he's not used to, to delivering those kinds of snaps. So you probably have to get him that work at practice. And then if you can have Bates at center, Morse, uh, not Morse, I'm sorry. If you can have Feliciano at left guard and then Dawkins, I think that line could even be even better. You want your best five guys out there, and Bates did well in, in his short action, but I think the Bills probably said, well, wait a minute, we're going to be in the shotgun a lot today, and he's not used to that. So they were proactive, and it probably ended up being the right decision. But hold off on the whole, doesn't play any of them well, because when he was out there today, he played very, very well in that opening drive when called upon. Well, <laughs> I was ready to have a much different tone about that decision when it happened, and I tweeted about it like this is – Interesting, kind of puzzling, I think I said to a few people, because I thought Ryan Bates did come in and they had themselves a really nice drive. I thought they answered well, but I will give credit to Brian Dable and Sean McDermott. I thought that Ike Bucker played really well today. I thought he answered the bell, and maybe that was almost, uh, you know, in his first career start last week, didn't go as well as they probably would have hoped against a really good Jets front. They want to give him another – another. that's one of the, the the things that we have realized the Jets are good at, and that is on their defensive line. Quinn and Williams, I was reading today, was an absolute monster against the Chiefs. Um, and, and so I think that maybe you want to give Ike Bucker another chance, and it looks like he took advantage of that. I tried to watch a, a little bit of the game back uh, in the press box after the game, and uh, I thought he played well. I thought he held up pretty well. Um, not as many of those uh, head scratching plays where it felt like he got you know pushed back into the in, into Josh Allen. I thought Josh had a had a couple really nice pockets, and I noticed Ike Bucker playing well. So that's that's a big piece of this. But yeah, to your point on Ryan Bates, hold off on that. I definitely am a I'm a Ryan Bates believer. I'm a, I'm a fan of his. I like his versatility. I almost feel like he's a kind of guy that's built in the same way that a John Feliciano is from a versatility. Uh, perspective. Now, this is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. We are so pumped to have you guys all in here watching. Uh, we're live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, you can find us on all the audio platforms, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, all of them. Go there. Even though you're watching live, if you if you have to run, if you, if you came in late, you'll get it on the audio platform right after the show. Subscribe. Give us a rating and review. We really appreciate it. We are the Shout Podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. You're your neighborhood store with more. I might have to take a run to Tops after this to, to get a little food. I haven't eaten since I came home from the stadium. Uh, we're going to get into the defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of stuff to talk about on the defense. We'll talk a little bit about next week uh, with the Seattle Seahawks game coming up. But, but, but first, a word from our sponsor. Ready for football? Tops is with ready-to-serve fan favorites everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. So drop your comments. Drop your questions. We're going to be cycling through that as we go through tonight. Um, we're appreciative of you guys joining us on, on this Sunday post-game 730 
to 8-10-ish uh, window. Um, Bills 24, Patriots 21, the first win by the Bills over the Patriots in Orchard Park since 2011. Uh, quite an uh, amazing stat to think about in terms of how much the Patriots have dominated um, this rivalry over the years. And, you know, I thought that Bill Belichick got his team ready to play today. I thought they showed up, you know, with, you know, all the things they were up against without Julian Edelman, without Stefan Gilmore, without all the pieces on defense that, you know, have opted out and, and kill Harry was out, you know, they had practice squad guys out there, you know, playing at receiver. I thought they really answered the bell and, um, sometimes a, a, a team up against it that much can be a dangerous team. As we learned today, I thought, I thought they played pretty well. Um, let's go to the defensive side of the ball, Ryan. And if you had to say, let me pose a question. The biggest concern right now on this defense, which I thought for the most part, even though they gave up, you know, over 340 yards of offense, to the Patriots, I thought they played pretty well considering all things. They played. Okay. What's the biggest concern right now in this defense? linebacker play uh I, that's where i'm most concerned you know matt milano seems to be on a pitch count which i get he, he said this week oh yeah i didn't tear the pet completely well it, he's obviously not 100 percent. i don't know if he'll get back to 100 percent this year and, and they're they're limiting his snaps they're putting him out there on, on certain plays in certain situations and for for as good as he is even at, not at 100 percent he missed a big tackle uh, in that game on, on a big third down play, and it almost looked like he couldn't extend himself on that tackle because of the pack, possibly. Tremaine Edmonds, I thought, started pretty well in the game, and then his play fell off. I thought he struggled. He's he's not having a great year. Um, he, he also went down with a little bit of an injury for a time, came, uh, but you know he looked like he was okay injury-wise. We'll get more of an update on that later this week. And yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it in the comments, everyone. AJ Klein, it, it's worrisome. I agree. Um, I almost wanted to joke where someone said AJ Klein question mark and be like, just like an just like an AJ Klein tackle, you guys missed it. Uh, but no, <laughs> we haven't talked about him yet. Listen, he had two big opportunities today to make a play, and, and he whiffed both times. You shouldn't be getting big boyed by James White, and, and that's what happened to him on one play. He kind of got stiff armed and thrown off of James White. Uh, where he should have made a tackle on a short pass or a short reception. Third down play, he gets into the backfield and he, he misses. He misses the play. The, the Pats get a first down. Now, maybe it's a blessing in disguise because shortly thereafter, Justin Zimmer gets the, the forced fumble. Dean Marlowe gets the fumble recovery and the Bills win the game. Uh, but he makes that tackle. And then, you know, the Patriots have to make a decision. Do we go for it for fourth and inches and try to get this win and try to get turn our season around or do we kick the field goal at that point in time? So he's really struggled. There's no other way to say it. The, the When the Bills brought him, I said, okay, he's probably athletic enough to do some of the things that Lorenzo Alexander did, uh, but we really haven't seen that. And is Darren Lee going to be the answer once he officially signs here? I don't know. He, I don't he think has, he could be much worse, though. <laughs> no, well, no I, I agree with that. Um, he, and he definitely has the athleticism part working for him. So at least they should be better in, in that regard. But if there's one unit that I'm most concerned about going into the second half of the season, it's the linebacker play. They have not come close to living up to expectations. Injuries have played a factor. Uh, but this, you know, this unit, I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I love Lorenzo Alexander. I think he's a, a very good player, but I didn't think they would miss Lorenzo Alexander as much as they truly are at this point in the season. Well, he also offered that flexibility to, 
you know, he played a role that was really great in terms of a pass rusher and, you know, that base third linebacker when they went to the four, three package, but he also was a big player. Like I remember two years ago in that new England game in new England, when he had to play for Milano, he was outstanding. He had like 10 plus tackles. I think he had an interception or a sack or a forced fumble, some, some big play in that game. And they're just missing that. And I asked Sean McDermott today. I didn't even say I should have. I'm going to let him watch the tape and phrase the question a little bit differently tomorrow when we get a chance to talk to him. And I like doing that so he can kind of really get a good look at at, at the game and how. And he may have a take on AJ Klein that you know might be a defense of how he's played. But I want to. I asked him, how would you say in these first eight games of AJ Klein as a Buffalo Bill, how would you say he played? And he basically kind of dodged the question a little bit and said. He's a vital part of our, our our organization, our team. He um, he studies hard. He uh, plays any position that we ask him to play. And I'm like, I'm kind of sitting there thinking and agreeing with some of the comments. And the, that's not the question. The question is, how is he doing? And he's not. And he has not been playing well. And you know, I look at the stat sheet. And he had three tackles today. And I and I just flashed to how many times I saw him around the ball today. And just by the eye test, that ta- those tackle numbers should be much higher. And so I think that they do need to address the linebacker position. I think that Matt Milano is much more hurt than he's even letting on. He talked about it this week, said it, it's kind of a partial tear. Who knows how badly torn that is. I don't even think he can really lift that arm up. I went back and watched the play where Rex Burke had spun him out of his cleats and got that first down. He came in and, you know, there was some mention of bad form, bad tackle form. That's fine. He does like to hit instead of wrapping up and tackling sometimes. But I thought that the way that he's, the way that he's moving, I almost feel like he's, he's kind of lying his arm that's in the harness at the side of his body, unable to really move it around in any, with any type of comfort. And so I don't think he's the same guy when he can't do that. And so maybe there does need to be some thought put into, okay, how do we get a bunch of guys in here, whether it be by trade, whether it be by signing guys off the street, get them into a competitive situation? That's one thing I think the Bills have done a good job over the years. You think of guys like Jordan Phillips who have come in off a, another team's practice squad or after uh, Jordan Phillips was cut and they brought him over here, you know, implemented him in. And I know those, those guys don't grow on trees. That Those situations aren't happening over the league all the time. But you do need to do your due diligence. One guy in particular, I'm very interested to see um, how it plays out is Delshawn Phillips. I have a story that's kind of in the um, uh, that's uh, in the tank, if you will, that I couldn't really release because right as I was finishing it, he got hurt and kind of that whole thing. But I talked to Lovey Smith about Delshawn Phillips and you know what the Bills have in him, and I think fans are going to be very interested to read that when it comes out. He is on injured reserve right now. He just started practicing last week. So he's a guy that's going to be added in the mix. He's somebody that could come into play over the next two weeks if Matt Milano is not healthy enough to go. If they do look at the tape of A.J. Klein over the next week and say, we're going to need to dial back this guy's snaps because he's just not getting it done. Yeah, I had a smirk a little bit when you were talking about that Sean McDermott quote. Uh, I got ratioed on Twitter just by re- repeating what Sean McDermott said. Uh, incredible amounts of resiliency. And like you said, that wasn't answering the question. That, that wasn't answering the question at all. Uh, and, and a valuable member of the team. I'm just like, oh boy, you know, I, I guess that's one of those things where you want to watch the tape before you say too much. Uh, but yeah, it's worrisome. And you mentioned it. When Phillips comes back, maybe he takes on a bigger role than than maybe what people thought or expected early on this year. 
Tyrell Dodson, maybe when he comes back later this year, he, he might play a, a bigger role. They, they have to start getting some of these liabilities, uh, so to speak, off the field. And that's A.J. Klein right now. And that's Taron Johnson right now in the secondary, who we can talk about here in a little bit, too. So it, it's up to the Bills to either find those players. You know, they brought in Daryl Worley. Uh, for a free agent visit after he was released by the Cowboys and his his tape from the Cowboys. Don't watch it. It's really, really bad. Uh, but he's played under Sean McDermott. He knows the system. He can play outside. He can play inside. He can play safety. So there's that versatility that McDermott likes. And at, at this point, maybe playing him in the slot, if, if you do end up signing him, it, it's worth it at that point just to see what he can do. Um, because like you said about A.J. Klein. And when I said about Darren, uh, Darren Lee, can he be any worse? Because the coverage issues have been real for Taron Johnson this year. All right, we're, we're cruising along here. If you have any questions, this is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. We're reacting to the Bills' 24-21 victory over the New England Patriots uh, this afternoon. Uh, a lot of things to, you know, I think there's a lot of things to like if you're just joining the show now and you you missed the open, there's a lot, a lot of things to like from the perspective of you can be six and two while still not even close to what I think your um, best can be. I think that this team is still kind of searching for that 100% balanced offense, defense, both sides of the ball, you know, doing things uh, in the run game and the pass game, all complimentary. We haven't seen that yet. You know, even in the games that they've won, you know, the, you think of the Rams game when they put up 35 I and mean, the Rams put up 32, you know, the Raiders, I thought had some moments that they struggled against them in the first half. And, and that was a little bit of a closer game than I thought that it, it should have been based on how they played. So there, I think that they're still trending in the right direction and I think they're figuring out little things along the way I thought that defensively while they weren't great today it was a bad Patriots offense they still only allowed 21 points which I know you know it's it's the Patriots it's a really bad offense but I think that they're figuring things out and 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 filling some holes while they do I saw a comment in here Ryan that I thought is very important the Patriots were with a lot, uh, without a lot of players today. So were the Bills, though. The Bills were missing a few people. They were out without Josh Norman, whatever you think of him. They were out Mike, Micah Hyde. They're, um, you know, in my opinion, Pro Bowl caliber safety. Um, they're still without a, a one technique that I think that is the missing ingredient for what this defense needs to really become what it's. You know, I've seen a lot of people talking about, you know, Ed Oliver, Quentin Jefferson, you know, some of the edge rushers. I think that all of those guys become better when you fix this one problem. And that's that one technique role. You know, I love Harrison Phillips. I, I met with him uh, out at the, uh, um, the Buffalo store this off season when he was rehabbing, we had a bit of a, a back and forth on camera and it was great. And I'm a big fan of his. He's a great person. And, and you root for guys like that, especially guys that have been hurt that have gone through those kinds of things. He was getting bounced around out there today, like a ping pong ball. And part of you wonders how healthy is he? How, how much back is he from that ACL? They got to figure that out. And obviously they missed Vernon Butler. I think a little bit today, I thought he started to play better over the last couple of weeks, but there's a lot of question marks on this defense. And now we're in this period, this next three or four days where it's almost the last gasp from a trading perspective to answer some of these questions. 
Yeah, go get Delvin Tomlinson. Go go see what the price is at least. If you can get a true one technique, like you said, it, it makes the issues that the linebacker play, uh, you know, it, it kind of covers them up a little bit. It makes them e- easier for them to make plays, to come up and make those plays because the Bills have not had that consistent uh, player there. You can go find some more depth at linebacker if you want to. A guy like Thomas Davis in Washington might make a lot of sense. He's He's been inactive a little bit there. Yes, he's older. Yes, you know, you could say, oh, gosh, another former Carolina Panther. Well, well maybe, but you want to find a guy that can come in and contribute immediately if that's what you're looking for. Um, but, you know, I, again, I'm going to these comments, and someone said, this is a 4-4 four and four team at best. No cohesion on offense, and the defense is dreadful. We are not ready yet. This is not a four and four team at best. This is a six and two team. That is literally their record right now. They are six and two. They lost to the Chiefs. Yes, they lost to the Titans. Those are the types of games that fans are going to say, "Well, we're not a legitimate contender until we win on one of those games." If you if you said that, I'd say, "Okay, I get that. You have to go and beat the best if you want to be considered the best." But this is not a four and four team. It's a six and two team. They're winning the close games. They're making plays when it matters most. You know, Matt mentioned Josh Norman. Norman made a big play in a game to help Buffalo win. Justin Zimmer made a play today to help Buffalo win. This is a six and two team. It may not be pretty. They're not getting style points out there. But at the end of the day, they're in first place in the AFC East with the Dolphins, you know, close on, you know, staying close right now. But the the Bills have a real chance here to pull away. Now, does their schedule get tougher and do they play more of these? Super Bowl contending like teams, absolutely. So now over this next span of games, it's up to the Bills to win one of these, two of these games, and show that they can legitimately hang. I get that, but don't say they're a four and fourteen. They're six and two. Literally their record. How many games would you say that the Bills will be favored in down the stretch? Next week, they the, the line's already out. They're not. Uh, I don't think they'll be favored on the road against the Cardinals. I think they may be, they'll be favored against the Chargers at home, not at the Niners. I I would even say that they might not be favored at the Steelers, depending on how that, you know, that, that stretch of four games goes at home on Sunday night football. Then it's the Broncos. I think they'll be favored over them and they'll be favored over the Patriots and then the Dolphins. But like you mentioned, this is a tough stretch. This is the defining stretch of their season and it starts next week. And there's, I think there's got to be a bit of excitement in that because I feel like even with the, level of teams that you're going to go up against in the next couple of weeks. It's exciting because I think they're all in their own ways, especially the Seahawks game. The Seahawks defense is, is not scary by any stretch of the imagination. I think, you know, if the weather's okay, which, you know, I'm not looking in, I don't have the forecast in front of me, but I'm, I can't, I can't imagine it be much worse than it was out there today. Wind wise. Um, I think that you get this offense, maybe get back going. Maybe you get John Brown a little bit healthier. Josh Allen mentioned it after the game today. John Brown's still not 100%. That's a big piece. You can't just throw that out. You can't just take the the, the body of work that you have from that first month, those first four games, and what we saw happen with this offense against a couple good defenses in there. I think the Niners did a pretty good job against Patrick Mahomes, or the um, Raiders did a pretty good job against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I thought I think the Rams still have do have a good defense. They did a good job against Tua today. It was just... Jared saw somebody tweet Jared Peterman about Jared Goff, which I thought was funny. Um, so I, I think that, you know, they're going to be in every game that they play the rest of the way. I think, especially if they can make some of the changes that they need to make, but yeah, I think what we're just seeing Ryan is just a fan base that now 
has been conditioned to expect from their team, expect something from their team. And expectations this week were that you're playing a bad Patriots team that were down a bunch of guys and you should beat them convincingly. And when that happens, I understand it. It's it's, but I said it going into this game, I predicted 20 to 17 and I, I got to find the tweet. I, I'm not going to go back through my mentions um, at this point, but cause it was all back. I think it was on Friday. And they're like, what are you 20 to 17? Talk about low expectations. This is a division game. They haven't won this game against the Patriots in eight years. The games are always like this. The last three years they've been like this with Sean McDermott here. I think you take this win, you get you get out of town, uh, or you stay in town because you're going to play Seattle next week, and you get to work on Seattle like Josh Allen said because this is a massive game. Can you imagine sitting here Sunday next week at the same time if they beat the Seattle Seahawks in a shootout? And Just imagine how you're going to feel then. Yeah, if that happens, I think fans should be really excited. And I saw someone else say, is Trey White going to follow DK Metcalf? Well, he could, but then you still have Lockett. Uh, they have a great one-two at wide receiver. It's going to be a game that I think Seattle's going to put up some points. But we also saw you know, Cam Newton look like a legitimate NFL quarterback against that Seahawks secondary. And Newton is not the same MVP-type player that he was a few years ago. It looks like he's shot putting the football out of the time now, yet he went off against that secondary. I think Josh Allen can do the same. Josh Allen has a little bit more mobility at this point in his career, so he can keep uh, you know, keep plays alive a little bit longer. He can get the ball out to those wide receivers. So this could end up being a shootout weather depending there. Um, going back to your earlier question, how many games are they favored for? Yeah, the, the next one might not might be the Chargers game. And, and oh, if you're a Chargers fan, you know. God bless you. Every week they get out to these big leads, and then every week they blow them, just like they did today. They, they end up losing to Denver after they had a pretty sizable lead there. So that's a game the Bills can win. But if the Bills go 500 over the second half of this season, you're talking about a 10-6 and six football team, which that's where I had them at the end of the year. I had them winning 10 games, saying it was more impressive 10 wins because of the schedule. And you're probably going to win the AFC East with 10 wins. And if you don't, I, I would still like to think you're in the playoffs with 10 wins. So, you know, take it easy. You're six and two. That's a good record to have at that midway point. You have a tough horizon of games ahead of you. But someone else has said it in the comments. Hey, you, you know, the, the 49ers game, you don't know what they're going to be at because of the Kittle injury. You don't know what they're going to be at because of Jimmy G, who's going to be playing quarterback there. Now, Shanahan does a really good job getting any quarterback prepared, it seems like, in San Francisco. Uh, but that's another thing. Injuries play such a big role on a week-to-week basis in this league. Last year, I think most of us had that uh, Steelers game as a loss for Buffalo because we didn't see Duck Hodges starting at quarterback in that game back before the season began. So you don't know how it's going to pan out, but be happy with where they are right now. They're in the driver's seat. They They control their own destiny, and that's what you want with your team at this point in the season. I see a, uh, a comment in here from Mary on Facebook. Um, thank you for everybody watching and participating. With our lack of salary cap, do you see, see Brandon Bean making any moves before Tuesday trade deadline? I, I do think they're going to make a move, and and maybe it's maybe it's just uh, Darren Lee, which by the way is not done yet. He's not officially signed to the Bills roster yet. There, obviously, with COVID protocols, it's a it's a different game that they have to play. It takes a little bit longer, but um, I do think that they're going to make multiple. Roster moves. I mean, they've been pretty active in in kind of looking to upgrade their roster where they can. And and Brandon even said it recently uh, in in his most recent interview. I think I uh, it was Matthew Fairburn in the Athletic that wrote it uh, about 
um, what they're, they're never going to be a time when they're sitting on their hands. Now I saw another comment in here about miles Jack. Um, I think it's a 27 million dead cap hit that the Jags will take if they trade him, uh, which is astronomical. Um, I know they're looking to rebuild and maybe get that contract off. It's going to be tough for the bills to, to trade for a contract like that. In my opinion, they'd have to involve Trent Murphy and, and maybe another salary. It, it could get a little bit tricky. Um, I'm not a salary cap expert by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, adding a, a, a sizable contract like, like that, I think could be difficult. Um, but you mentioned it earlier, you know, a Dalvin Tomlinson from the giants or, you know, a similar type of, you know, a solid player that fills a need, I think is what the bills should be looking for. All right, let's get to a couple things here before we go. Any other questions uh, before we get into maybe final thoughts that you see? You know, scanning through, I'll have to look, but I, I haven't seen any recently because I answered the one about Trey White and following. So, no, I don't see any, but if anyone has any questions, now is the time. Oh, what do you guys think about trading Trent Murphy in a fifth-round pick to Atlanta for Grady Jarrett? Uh, I mean, go ahead. Well, you, you know, I don't even know if Jarrett would be the, the guy you would target because they really like Jarrett, and he'd be one of those – uh, pieces that they probably want to keep. But there's a Tyler Davidson there that you could probably bring in. Um, th there's another younger player there too that plays that one technique. So maybe they are a, a team you talk with. I just don't know if it's for Grady Jarrett. Uh, I think if the Bills could get Trent Murphy and trade him away and get some of that contract off the books, they would do it. Um, you know, would they trade him back to a team like Washington? Because I saw someone say Ryan Kerrigan, please. Well, listen, they already have a lot of, of Ryan Kerrigan's on this roster, guys making big money that aren't delivering regularly. Now, I like Ryan Kerrigan, the player, but with the cap situation where, where they're at, the Bills would have to offset it with a move like Murphy getting sent with them as well. So, you know, it'll be interesting. Like Matt said, I think the Bills do make at least – I think they make one trade. But like Matt said, they're not going to sit on their hands either. They're going to look at the waiver wire. They're going to keep bringing guys in. You know, it wasn't that long ago that there were finalists for Le'Veon Bell. So they're out there. They're always looking to see who gets released, who's on a practice squad, who's someone we could take here, upgrade there. It might not be those flashy players that everyone wants to get. And I get it. I like Miles Jack's game a lot. I would love to bring a guy like that in. But you might end up settling for a Darren Lee. You might end up settling for cornerbacks that have played in the system, that know this system. It's just the way it is. If you want someone that can come in and play sooner rather than later, you need people who are familiar with the terminology, familiar with what the coaches are looking for, and, and someone you can kind of plug in right away. Great stuff from Ryan, as always. Hey, uh, we are we are ascending here in numbers, so I hate to cut this thing off, but we, we have – go back, and once we end, and you can watch the show back, um, and let us know if maybe you'd like us to start a little bit um, later. Um, cause I, I would be fine with doing this. Also, we're still messing with the times if seven 45 to eight, uh, you know, eight 30, right up until Sunday night football, if that works better for you, you could throw it on the TV right before, uh, the game starts. If you have a, the YouTube app on there, uh, let us know. Um, we talked about, uh, Warley a little bit. He'll be in for, he was in for a visit. Uh, it, it's going to take some time. And so I think that we'll, uh, we'll cover much more of that on Wednesday. We're working. I'm, I'm going to hopefully have a couple guests on uh, Wednesday because this is a big, big game. And I almost want to turn this into a huge Seattle week. We'll do a Seattle preview, try to get a, a Seattle uh, writer uh, at the end of the week. But we'll also talk a lot about that on Wednesday. Uh, so maybe if you have any, anybody that you'd like to see, I'm working on a few people right now, um, uh, but DM me, leave a, leave a, leave a comment uh, on the YouTube page or Facebook or whatever. 
and uh, we'll be back on Wednesday night. That's it, Ryan. Anything else from you? No, just looking forward to Seahawks week because this is, you know, the, the Bills always say we're looking ahead to next week. We're looking to this next game. It's one one game at a time. But this is a big game. Again, this is one of those measuring stick games where the Bills have, have failed twice this year against the Chiefs, against the Titans, where they can make a big statement with a win against a team like the Seahawks, a team that a lot of people are saying right now it may be the favorite in the NFC to come out of that conference to to represent them in the Super Bowl. And there's a few teams, but they're a, le- they're a legitimate contender at this point in time. All right. The last comment we will address is Ryan's analysis is excellent, and you are darn tootin'. <laughs> you are correct, and uh, that, that's my guy right there, always uh, bringing it uh, after the games on Wednesdays, when we do Thursdays, when we do Tuesdays, when we do Fridays, we're all over the place. We're always doing shout football podcasts. And if you can, like I mentioned earlier in the show, find us on the audio platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, subscribe, rate and review. It really helps us out. We're growing this podcast. It is becoming an its own animal and, and we love it. And we love uh, sharing the, the, these interactive moments with all of you. Buffalo bills, 24 new England Patriots, 21 bills are in driver's seat in the AFC East middle of the season. Exactly where you want to be. We'll talk more about it on Wednesday night. Head over to Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. Check out all of our stories from today. We'll have more tomorrow and throughout the week. We'll hear from uh, the coaching staff tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, a couple more hours, a little more football. We'll see you on Wednesday night. Take care, everyone. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in-store, or online to win.